Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome back to yet another episode of the AIP podcast. As usual, it's Anne, CEO of Supercharged Lab. I am your host on behalf of the AI Partnerships Core. And today, oh my God, you have no idea. I am so super thrilled to have this special guest from Caveat. And this company revolutionizes deal flow processes in the media and entertainment industries for legal. So, you know, how legal AI has been targeting all the companies? Now, Caveat is going to help you and me to make sure that we know what we're signing. So all of you, please join me in extending this warm welcome to Dorothy Grant. She's the CEO of Caveat. And Dorothy is super passionate about applying statistics, analysis, um, and machine learning to the physical world seeking ways to enhance efficiency, transparency, and effectiveness. So join us once again on this exciting episode and journey as we discuss the practical applications of AI and the transformative impact of caveat on the legal industry. So Dorothy, oh my God, wow. Thanks for being on the show. Anne, thank you so much for that intro and thank you for having me. It's really, really exciting. Female founder, you know, going from NASA to grad school and then meeting your co-founders at grad school and then actually starting Caveat. Tell us all about your journey. Yeah, absolutely. So happy to give a little bit of a background. I've had um, a few different careers, a few different hats on. And so Caveat is really bringing all of those things together into, into a single role. So to start from the beginning, I was scouted by a modeling agency when I was 16, 17 years old. I did that full time for several years. I had a career within this space, but as anyone who's ever spent any time within media and entertainment or, or fashion knows, it's not as glamorous as it seems. And I found out pretty quickly just how much this industry needed an upgrade. Um, and so when I left this space, I went and I studied computer science, machine learning. As, as you mentioned, I worked at NASA, was a quantitative researcher there. And I got really interested in, to be honest, I think I was interested in any career where I had control compared to <laughs> modeling. Um, but I was really interested in problem solving that was always tied back to some sort of human impact. And that's where I kind of got more specifically into natural language processing. I thought NLP was super cool because no matter what, you're going to be solving a problem that touched people because language is so innately personable and, and human. And so I studied NLP, machine learning, AI, all of those kind of umbrella terms. And I uh, eventually went to, to grad school. And as you mentioned, yes, on the first day of orientation, I met both of my co-founders at grad school. Of course, we didn't know we were co-founders at the time, but honestly, within two months, we had kind of solidified a basis of the idea and um, you know, the team itself. And uh, to, to give quick, quick intros on them, Elizabeth Taylor-Dorja, our amazing COO, extremely educated, wonderful legal background, and has also been a content creator. And then our CTO, Christine Shen, is a computer science wizard, um, has worked as a full-stack software engineer at several companies and has built realistically most of the entire platform. So yeah, that's that's us um, and our team and kind of how we got here in, in a nutshell. 
That's amazing. You know, you've talked a lot about natural language processing, and you've been in this space for a long time, way before it started exploding in popularity in 2021, 2022. But what are your thoughts? I mean, do you think the space is going to grow even more? Or do you think the rest of AI will get a chance to actually catch up? Yeah, I mean, I think yes to both of those, to be honest. Um, I think that NLP is going to grow a lot more, and I think that the rest of the different types of machine learning is going to continue to explode. I think similar to how you've seen with, like, social media, um, there was Twitter or kind of X, um, and then kind of Instagram, and then there was TikTok. So it kind of naturally goes from language to image to video, um, just because the computing power for language and then images and then videos gets gradually and gradually more difficult. Um, and so, and the same processes can often be applied. It's just a question of like having the storage, having the, the machine power behind it. And so I definitely think that we're seeing a similar trend. I think NLP is still popular, but I think that there was the whole image classification. And then now we're seeing a lot of stuff with video with like animation. And so I think that same trend is going to occur. But I, I realistically think that all three of those categories and other categories I have not mentioned yet, you know, are going to continue to to kind of excel and, and grow as more people are interested and the tech just continues to expand. That's amazing. Let's let's kind of start to zero in on caveat. You know, legal tech has grown significantly in the last couple of years. How is caveat different? Yeah, well, I, I could write a whole book on how I think it's different. Um, but I, I agree I'm a little bit biased as the CEO. But I think there's, there's a few different aspects in which um, I think that we're differentiated. I think one of the biggest ones is that we're not selling directly to law firms. Um, while a law firm is more than welcome to use us, they're not necessarily our, our initial or early customer or target customer realistically at all. Because the problem we're realistically trying to solve is, you know, yourself, myself, from what I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, but don't have legal education. Um, and I'm sure many of the listeners here also don't have the eight years of legal education that are necessary to be required, like to be a lawyer. And yet I'm pretty confident that still every single listener has signed a contract at some point. And that's really the root of the problem we're trying to solve, which is there's such an incredibly high volume of individuals and professionals that have signed contracts and yet don't have the professional training to sign it. And there's not really any other industries where that's the case. You're expected to have the power of a lawyer, but without, you know, the education of one. And so it's a very weird aspect where they're written from lawyers, by lawyers, in this really intense, verbose legalese. And yet, you know, I have a, a master's, but I, I still don't understand my contract um, just because it's not, not the thing that I'm trained in. And so that's really one way we're differentiating ourselves. We're focused in media and entertainment because it's a space that we know deeply. We felt the pain point there. Um, oftentimes it's a, it's a workforce that's really built off the backs of young individuals, um, in fashion, specifically young women a lot. And so there's just really large imbalances of knowledge when it comes to the contract itself and power. Um, and so providing information on the contract, um, from, you know, any level within the space, whether it's helping the talent agency, whether it's helping the production company, whether it's helping, helping the actual talent is a way to create a more fair ecosystem in which standard labor practices, fair compensation are the norm. 
Yeah, that sounds really, really um, sensible, really. So, I mean, legal tech does need to be democratized for the average Joe, right? So maybe we can talk a little bit more about this con- uh, concept of benchmarking, which we mentioned in our pre-show call. Um, why is benchmarking so important? And particularly for, you know, the average Joe, the non-legally trained people like you and me. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's one of the aspects I didn't even mention of what kind of sets us apart. There's there's our tech and then there's also the benchmarking in which what we actually provide back to the user. Um, and so this is a big part of it where we can help our customers understand where it is they stand within the greater ecosystem. And that's kind of why we're also focusing on one industry, because this is a problem that can impact so many different spaces. And I get this question all the time, like, oh, I signed a lease, right? I want to know what it's like, or I... I don't know, whatever it is, Um, options agreement, finance, whatever. I just want to know if it's standard. Um, And the thing is, to be able to get that, you need a lot of data. And we have this data within the the media and entertainment space. And so we can provide benchmarking and help people understand where they're falling within this greater ecosystem. So getting cues like net 120 payment, which we actually have seen in a contract, which is insane. Um, That means waiting 120 days for your paycheck after completing a job, which you you know, in any other industry would be considered more or less illegal. Um, And yet we saw it in a contract. We were able to let our customer know, hey, this is uh, four times above industry average, which is net 30. So make of that what you will. Um, Change it to net 30, a.k.a. And, you know, people really appreciate that insight, um, even if they're like the people on all sides, because nobody sets out to be this, you know, create unfair contracts. It's oftentimes just a lack of, of understanding around what it is that the contract's actually being produced. And so benchmarking is just helping us create um, a more sustainable future where people understand and can make informed decisions from the get-go. Hmm. It kind of begs the question then, you know, you, you mentioned that, you know, you were starting in the media and entertainment industry, but why not just the average employment contract? Yeah, well, we'll get there. Just give us time. (laughs) Um, It's definitely within the realm of what we want to do. But I think that the media and entertainment industry is a really perfect early adopter for us. And it's also an early adopter that happens to be one of the biggest industries in the world. So it's a large it's a large early adopter to play within. And so we have our our work cut out with us for us just within this first customer base. Media and entertainment is also especially interesting for us because there's such a high volume of contracts. So many people are independent contractors, Um, like a single production company will put up, you know, a three day shoot. They'll employ 500 people for it and they'll do 100 of those a year. Like the unit economics are insane in this space. Um, And so that's one of the reasons it's a really great place for us to start. But we're totally aware that there's this same problem exists in countless other industries. And so it's on the horizon. Well, speaking of horizons, what what do you think is on the horizon for you? Where do you think your journey is headed? Yeah, um, I wish I could say that was intentional. That was such a great, <laughs> great lead way. Um, um, I think that there's a lot of different places in which I can see caveat going. I um, strongly believe that every founder is a little bit delusional, and I'm not I'm not counting myself out of that. Um, so there's a lot of spaces in which I can see caveat making a really impactful difference. And even beyond that, there's a, a lot of spaces in which I can just see our team, our tech, our desire to make such a strong difference, making that impact in, you know, not only our media and entertainment or fashion, but within kind of the, the legal tech space at large, where 
democratizing access to information just becomes a norm rather than a disruption. Absolutely. Well, um, wishing you the very best, Dorothy. And, you know, you're making such a big difference, um, especially, you know, three female founders. What a thrill. Um, Dorothy, thank you so much for being on the show today. That's all the time we've got, but it was really, really such a pleasure to get to know you a little bit better. And thanks to our listeners again. Once once again, all our loyal listeners who are following us on social media, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate your time and support. Once again, my name is Anne. I'm from Supercharge Lab. I am the host of the AIP podcast, signing off. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you so much, Anne. Thank you, everyone. <laughs>